Hello and welcome to The Queer Experience. I am your host, Eric Crumrine. I use he, they pronouns. And today we are talking about mental health and video games and gaming. Um, and I have brought together a number of folks who have a lot of thoughts on the topic, what I wanted to sit down and chat with me about all of this. So I'm going to let folks introduce themselves. We're going to go alphabetically. So Brett, if you want to tell us your name, your pronouns, and maybe like a one or two sentences about why why this topic and why were you interested? Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Brent. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, I was interested, one, because uh, mental health is important to me. It's something I deal with in my work and social life, as well as um, I'm interested. I coach esports, and so uh, I thought that would play a role in mental health and gaming as well. Yeah. Chris? Right. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris. Pronouns he, him. And um, I am an avid supporter of cozy games, and I try to find any and all cozy games. So I felt like that would be, this is a very interesting and important topic um, for me. So I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, hi, I'm Nanite, uh, he, him pronouns. Um, mental health kind of hits a little bit closer to home, and gaming is a huge part of my life. So I thought it'd be... Pretty fun to talk about the topic. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Nick. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his. And the reason I was interested in this topic, um, I've been gaming since the Atari. And game gaming has always been that outlet for me to de-stress and kind of disassociate from the world. Um, and mental health, I always think it has been important, especially now, um, and given coming out of COVID. So I think the two are definitely um, worthy topics to discuss tonight. And throwing out that Atari, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was I was in that same bubble, except we were, we were too poor to afford the Atari, so we got whatever was like knockoff things from that. Right. So, yep. but yeah, no, same for, I think same for me. I think video, I, I wanted to do this and I want to bring folks together because I think one, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in on board with like Chris and a couple others that have said like video games are often my de-stressor. Um, but I've also had that experience of watching, like not watching, but like playing and like allowing games to affect my mental health in terms of like, especially like multiplayer games. I would say like, that's probably the more prevalent space for it, but it's definitely something where like I've had those experiences where it's like, I need to walk away from this video game right now because I am not my best self right now. Um, hey, dead by daylight. And so like, you know, I think we've, we've all had those experiences. I think even regular video games can, I think have that impact on you as well. Looking over at Elden ring, um, you know, like I think games can have that ability to kind of do that. And one thing, one of the questions for later is also, I think talking about some games that have like highlighted mental health in ways that are, I think making those topics more engaging and accessible to folks. Um, so, but let's, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start with Chris's kind of vibe and we're going to talk about uh, for everybody and maybe we'll go backwards this time just to keep, keep everyone on their toes. So like, what are, what are folks like when we talk about de-stressing by way of video games, what, what are your, I just want to hear it. Cause it's always such a fun list. Like what, what are your de-stressor games? Um, so starting over with Nick. Oddly enough, I like shooters, and 
if you would have asked me maybe like five, 10 years ago, Nick, do you want to play some shooters? I would have said no. Um, but like of all things like Overwatch, Apex, those kind of shooters, um, which I hate. And this is like such a, I don't know if it's an oxymoron or just weird, uh, but I don't like Battle Royale games. But I like Apex, which, and like it, it is, I don't like um, Apex. I was playing Apex uh, right around when it came out, and I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I can't get a revive or anything. It's just one and done. And I was like, no. And then maybe this season 12, it just stuck like kudzu. And I've been playing it nonstop since, and I don't know why. And maybe it's just like the thrill of the thrill of it all, whatever. But shooters, um, and also like open world games, like an RPG or something along the lines of an Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Okay. Kind of that Twix, that middle ground. Okay. Uh, Nanite, what about you? Uh, oh gosh. Um, so it definitely depends on the night um (laughs) if there's been a lot of stuff going on between work and personal life sometimes it's just like minecraft and absolutely nothing else um other times it's something like monster hunter which is a game that you know i've been playing since i was like 12 13 so it's very familiar i've grown up with it um or Pokemon, again, something familiar, something I know well, that's not super high stakes. If I've already been stressed, um, I don't really want to add to that too much. So I'll usually avoid multiplayer games unless I'm playing with friends, which take away from the innate stress of multiplayer games. So Awesome. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, typically, I mean, also it depends definitely on the mood and on the night, but I feel like I typically would want to go for something like a farming simulator or a life simulator. Anything to take me out of current life events would be (laughs) much appreciated. So Stardew Valley was a big thing. I think more recently, Disney's Dreamlight Valley. Um, nothing, I don't have anything specifically for valleys, just happened (laughs) to be that. Um, so yeah, typically just the Sims, I could just spend hours just building some random things and, um, yeah, anything that has that element of your sort of transported out of like your current situation and into a whole other immersive world, um, is usually a de-stressor for me. And Brent, what about you? Uh, I kind of agree with Nanite a little bit. Uh, things that are more uh, less multi- uh, multiplayer focused, more single player focused, I think. Uh, for me specifically, um, oh my god, uh, Stardew Valley, I love. Uh, literally, that is my go-to de-stressor, just farming. Um, but then also like strategy games like Civilization VI and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I can just kind of turn my brain off and just kind of click keep going uh also a little bit of a hot take but elden ring also is weirdly kind of a de-stressor game for me um yeah 
you want to expand on that? <laughs> yeah, that was like, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me about how the rage-inducing game de-stresses you. I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Melania's voice lines fifty times a night. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, maybe I haven't gotten far enough to where it stresses me out, but I actually kind of enjoy it because I'm not like I'm competing against myself more than anything, so I don't take it like that seriously. It's more like a fun little challenge of like, oh, can I? beat this boss or something like that where like because i play a lot of competitive like i play league of legends which is a whole very toxic community uh of multiplayer game and so like because i played that so much just the fact that i don't have to deal with people and can kind of just go at my own play pace i also stream it so my friends kind of watch me suffer uh and (laughs) it's entertaining for them too so there's a little bit of community there as well nice yeah, I think and and what I well one one what I appreciate is I think everyone's answers were kind of a little bit different, right? So we're talking about like how people unwind, what kinds of games do that for folks. And we had everything from like shooters to Elden Ring to like Stardew Valley and and like Minecraft to like these cozy things. And I, I know for me, like I think I'm kind of um I think it was Nana who said it, but like I kind of walk the line of like it depends on how my day went and what kind of space that I'm in and what kind of space I feel like I need to occupy in a given evening because my uh, very very extroverted side will always want to play multiplayer games to like have a little bit of space and community and like chat with people but like i don't want to play the multiplayer games if i have people that i know to play with like if i can't hang out in a discord voice chat with like a couple of my friends i'm less likely to pick up like dead by daylight after a long day um but like if i and like like i'll do dead by daylight or i'll do um i'm big on like ghost hunty games so i've been doing like I bounce between like Phasmophobia. Um, there's one called Ghost Hunter, uh, Ghost Exorcism Incorporated, which is very much like Phasmo, except you get to kill the ghost at the end, which is fun. Um, and I just started playing a new one yesterday that was uh, Demonology, which is mm-hmm. basically like a really, really graphically pleasing looking game compared to some of the other ones, which, you know, like there, I think it's built on like the Unreal Engine. But like for me, like those games where I can like have some friends, have some space. Um, and if not, if that's not available to me, then I literally will just like cycle through like my switch and my P my PlayStation and see what's there. So it could be anything from old super Nintendo games, because I have access to all of those. Like the number of hours I spent just replaying old Mario games <laughs> when I'm like, I'm just in a bad mood. Um, but I like the games that I can kind of like, I don't have to worry about where I was in the game. I can just like pick it up and jump back in. So I think some of the roguelites like dead cells and hollow Knight and some of those, like I can just like pick them up. And not fully have to really remember where I was at before, which is nice. Um, so we we talk about like stuff that the games that de-stress you. What is like? What is it about some like? I guess when you're looking for things to de-stress, is there certain things that you're pulled towards? Because again, the the gamut was very wide of what what de-stressed people. But what what does that look like? Like what? What for you is a de-stressing game versus maybe just like, I want to play video games this afternoon. And we'll kind of do it popcorn style. So whoever wants to, to jump in. Sure. Um, I know for me, it's specifically if I'm trying to unwind, it's something that's fairly repetitive. Um, mm-hmm. So like Minecraft definitely hits that itch. Uh, Stardew Valley definitely hits that um, sometimes I want to feel more good about myself. So it's Monster Hunter, a game I'm familiar with. I'm 
I like to think I'm good at it, but sometimes the monsters prove me wrong. Um, or just something that I can rely on and that's just familiar enough that I don't have to think about it too hard and agitate myself more. Okay. Which I get that. Like that we I think people said that before, like right, like the zone like I can just shut my brain off and exactly. do the thing. I like for like Dead by Daylight is that for me. I can as much as that game is stressful and competitive, I can still kind of shut my brain off and just oh, like yeah. boop a doop, here I go. Um what about what about other folks? I think for me, if I want to entertain people or have like a group of friends that's the first jump off. If I don't want to be bothered with anybody, then I won't play any of those multiplayer games like a like Overwatch, like Apex, or even if I want to, I just won't say like, "Oh, I'm playing this. Y'all want to, you know, join in or whatnot." I'll just kind of zone in and zone out on the game. Um, but it, it just has to be if I want to honestly talk to people because I'm usually such an introvert, and if the vibe is fucked up, then I don't want to be bothered. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And multiplayer games can definitely go at, like, especially ones that have a voice chat element to them. They- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even, even a game like dead by daylight that just has like an after function, like an after match chat function can still like, I don't have to hear the voice to see the things being censored out and telling me that I'm, I'm a slur, and I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Like, oh, add voice chat to Dead by Daylight. I cannot tell you how <laughs> horrid of an idea that is. <laughs> I would be they muting people so League fast. Of Legends, right? Ugh. Um, like, Chris or Brent? Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, haven't they learned from Apex or Overwatch or COD? Um, like, yeah, voice chat was not Proximity a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. For for me, it's the like small wins element. So like you hop into like a sim sim game and it's like craft twenty chairs and and it feels like you know you do that task and you get that nice little green check mark and you did it and it feels so good. <laughs> and those those small little wins just really feel very good when you're stressed. Um, and there's just a lot of that in. I'm not going to talk about Stardew Valley all the time, but like Dreamlight Valley, for example, which is very much mm-hmm. the same like genre there's a lot of that where it's grindy sure but it feels but it's things you know how to do so it doesn't feel bad that you have to like grind to do the thing um and at the end of it it's satisfying so that that element just is very it's easy to jump into at any point right and like that game is just adorable right like it is you're literally just a dude running around interacting with disney characters being like oh my god like goofy you want me to go on a mission to like get you coconuts Sure thing, bestie. <laughs> and like, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, what about for you, Brent? What do you What do you look for in terms of like de-stressing in a game? Uh, uh, basically, I know this is already been said, but turning my brain off literally, because uh, a lot of the games that I play, um, that I play more repetitively, are more like thinking type of games, and so we're at ones where I'm just like, yep, like. I can die 50 times and still be fine. Or, you know, I can just farm and fish for two hours and be fine and not do anything looking at Stardew Valley. Uh, um, But yeah, so just like 
it's just kind of a mix between but basically things where like i don't associate like competition with them essentially is for me kind of what i look for in a de-stressing game okay i know and i know a couple people have hit on it so i feel like we need to talk a little bit about we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit away from like you know our our own like de-stressing and talking about you know like you know mental health and gaming as it pertains to being a player and how playing games can sometimes impact your mental health in not great ways or sometimes in great ways right um i don't want to negate the fact that like i think folks have played multiplayer games or done things and like have had really fun and it's like it can be a really joyful time like again my my realm in terms of multiplayer online games is mostly dead by daylight so that's my point of reference but like I've definitely had games where it's like we got into like the post chat afterwards and we're just like crying with laughter because like we're like the the random people we're playing with were just being super fun. Um, But for for folks, when you think about some of those spaces, how do you I I guess I'll frame it as like, how do you like protect your peace when you're like playing something online and you can feel like we all know that moment for the for the online like multiplayer gamers like, you know, when your like heart is turning to that other side, it's like, oh no, this is no longer fun. Like, how do you how do you kind of keep an eye on that, or what do you what do you look for and tell yourself like when it's time to kind of like unplug from something? Can go first. Um, yeah. I think for me, uh, one the like slash mute all is really helpful. Uh, so like <laughs> muting everyone, whether it's chat uh, or it's like um, like voice, like just being able to mute people and not have to interact is sometimes. Uh, really nice as well as it's taken just a lot of experience and like a lot of repetition of like recognizing like checking in with yourself uh, when you're feeling that way and being being okay to just step away like there are times where I used to just play until my mental health was just (laughs) not in a great spot for the night but I've learned like if I start getting angry or upset or anything then I know to just essentially just turn it off last game walk away um mm-hmm. but that's been a long time coming <laughs> and, and for, is there anything like in particular that you like what what flips it for you is it just like the stress of playing too much like the people having like a number of bad matches in a row is there like are there certain factors that lead you to like it's time to walk away yeah so i have a couple of set hard rules so one if people start typing to me and like calling me things uh i immediately just mute all and don't pay attention um and then two if i lose uh two in a row uh or uh, then i um or no if i lose three in a row then i just i turn off and walk away um just because i'm like no need to continue this i also set a time limit or like a game limit of like if i'm playing competitively like three games and that's it for the and then I go take a break and reevaluate if I should come back or not uh, as well. All right. And I know Nick and Nana, I know you both do more of the multiplayer stuff. Are there, are there like, what are, are there things you look for things that you do to kind of maintain your own peace and self care while you're playing? I know for me, um, I come from it. Well, if somebody is, you know, badgering me, I know you're not going to whoop my ass. Like, and that, that's just the black ass bottom line. You're not going to whoop me. So you could say what you're going to say, whatever, whatever. But if I'm in front of you face to face, then you you want to, you know, whoop like a, a little daisy. But 
I know if I'm doing either comp in Overwatch or ranked matches in uh, Apex, or if I'm doing some kind of ranked matches in a fighting game like Mortal Kombat or Tekken, if I get into those matches where I keep on doing something that I know I should, like if, if I get in those matches where I knew I should have won, but for whatever reason, I don't. And then I get irritated with myself. I was like, this is it's time to, you know, shut it down, go put on some kind of show, go put on Golden Girls or something to de-stress. And then maybe come back or just turn it off, go eat something, have a drink, maybe not a drink, maybe an edible to calm down. <laughs> and then reassess the situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, like sometimes, you know, even if you're losing, it can still be fun as long as the game itself is like good. Like some of the most fun league games I've had, we've ended up losing, but it was just a really fun back and forth. Um, but every now and then I'll kind of notice myself like just getting gradually more agitated when I really shouldn't be. It's like, yeah, I'm playing bad, but like I shouldn't be getting this upset over it. And then, you know, you get kind of like the hot under the collar and you have to like breathe for a second. You're like, okay, maybe I need to stop for the night and touch some grass or just like drink some water, go take a shower and just like maybe play later or switch to a different game entirely um, or just try again tomorrow. Um Especially if it's been a rough day and a rough night, you know, gaming doesn't always like de-stress you like you want it to. And you kind of just have to count the day as a wash and just try again tomorrow. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing I was, it was a a Twitch stream I was watching a while ago and it was, um, I think it was Milady Confetti who was, Mm. she was playing DBD. She's a big, I think she's a, I forget if she's a fog whisperer or not. I know, I know she's very big into DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, she was having a route, like the match was, it was, mostly like the killer was being awful and like, you know, playing in a certain way that was making every, you know, people could potentially take that as being upset. Mm-hmm. And like, it was the simplest thing, but she was like, she was just laughing and she's like, it's a fucking game. Oh yeah. Like it, it's I- a video game. And I don't give a fuck if I lose, like, it's not that important. I feel like it's definitely different if I'm playing for myself versus I'm playing while I'm streaming. Cause like if right. I'm streaming, it's part of it's, you know, a little bit of a performance. And at that point, it's like, I'm doing this for fun. This is just a game. But like when you're by yourself, you can't be like, no, I want to fucking win. Like that's what <laughs> will I, bring me joy right now. <laughs> and like, for me, like, I think I, tr- like, I think one of the ways I try and protect like my sanity while playing, especially like a dead by daylight game with friends, like, I think it's mostly about like when someone is being like what, and I feel like what we all, what survivors refer to as like a toxic killer can be very like, we'll jump to that right away. Like, Oh my God, they did the function of the game. I'm so mad that they did that. It's like, it's, they just, they just brought a perk that you don't like, or they just took you to a map that you don't like, but like, it's not the fucking end of the world. And so like, I think for me, it's like, I just, I laugh a lot when I'm playing, like I will fuck up a hundred times in a row I was playing the other night trying to try, trying to do head on, which is like you hide in a locker and when the killer runs by, you like burst out and stun them for a second. And I couldn't do it to save my goddamn life for some reason that night. But like to me, it was hilarious. And I was like, I don't care. Like it's a game. Like mm-hmm. 
There's no prize. There's just blood points, which are worthless. They're worthless. Like I have so many of them anyways, I don't care. Um, so I think, I think for me, that's the space I usually try and operate in when I'm doing like those games. I know it's different if you're like playing something in like a ranked or competitive format. Cause that could have still like, if you don't do well, it could have impact on you. But for me, I think that's the space. And then the minutes that like we get into the post chats and I can feel myself wanting to be aggressive and respond to the killer being like, you're a piece of shit. That's when I like, when I can feel that coming out of me, that's why I look at my friends and go, oh my goodness, guys, it's getting a little bit late. I think it's probably time for me to like start unwinding, get ready for bed. Um, and then I do what Nick said and I grab an edible from my drawer and I, <laughs> you know, and we just, and we don't come back. Like for me, like I hit the, that point and you're like, I'm good. I, I'm just going to go on to the next day. But I try to operate from that space of it's just a game and it doesn't fucking matter. And who cares if the killer's a dick? It is what it is. And like my character still look cute while we're running around. Like she's got a nice blue dress on. She looks great. I'm fine. Like, but it is hard. Like I said, it is hard. I think sometimes to stay in that space when people are doing things, but I found that like bouncing from end game chat, just not reading chat is tremendously helpful because then you don't see it. <laughs> um, now, Chris, do you, do you do much like, if you do like any multiplayer stuff or do you like keep yourself in that cozy, I don't want to talk to people bubble. I mean, I mostly yeah do single player games, but even that can have some like stressful elements to it. But I mean, I guess it's worse because it's self-inflicted, but, (laughs) but like, there's also sort of like what you all said is there are tools to do something about it. So I don't mind changing the settings of the game to like easy mode or story mode just for a little while because I'm really stressed and this boss is just not dying. (laughs) So having those tools available, which hopefully more games are trying to do more stuff like that. Um, Nowadays, I feel like it's much more, it's just easy, easy for you to just change the setting for a little while, get past this boss, relax, go to bed, get an edible and then come back and then (laughs) see. Yeah. So, so I think for me, it's mostly with single playing games uh, because I just, I try to avoid that external conflict but i still find the internal conflicts within those games but yeah yeah and i yeah I, I feel like we feel like the episode title just needs to be like unplug your computer and have an edible <laughs> tips for mental health and gaming Honestly, it would yes. solve a lot of gamer basically would, so many people would be so much more chill if they just if all states could legalize it and then we could just we could just vibe why call yeah. people slurs when you could whiskey. just get high <laughs> yeah what were you saying nick I said a shot, um, oh, edible and a shot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. There you go. But and I, I do appreciate, like, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Chris, about like, because I think that's been a conversation too about like the challenge levels of different games. Because you have games like, um, not not to pick on Brent and his choices of games, <laughs> but you do have games like Elden Ring and like some of those that like the people will argue like the purpose of it is to be so hard and to be stressful and yada yada, and like which is great. I guess if that's the challenge you're looking for, and maybe if that's not fully what you're looking for, then like it's mostly that maybe you just need to accept that this game isn't for you. But then there's me who just keeps the, every time a new bloodborne souls game, et cetera, comes out. I'm like, this will finally be the one it'll be the one. <laughs> and every time I'm like, where's my fucking easy mode. I want to just go where's through this on like, um, but I do think there's a piece of that though, right? Like that it, it has that ability to impact like your overall mental health as you're playing this game that is intended to beat you down 
and I know that there's supposed to be like that feeling of when you finally get it and then it feels so good. Um, I just don't ever get there. Um, I, yeah, I, I play a lot of like puzzle platformers and I think games like Tunic, which was just so like popular over the past couple of years like, or last year, I think did a really good job of like, you're not going to know what you're doing and you will get mad because you have no idea what you're doing. But it will just slowly give you hints instead of like you you having to go look for it or just googling it. So I think games like that that are able to somehow give you the give you hints without like giving you all of it. So still having that satisfying. Oh, I did it! I got the the, the puzzle myself. Uh, I think it's it's still rare, but when it happens, it's just it's so good. Well, I remember back in the day, like those SCN those Super Nintendo games and those Sega Genesis games were brutal. Like the oh, Lion yeah. King, <laughs> yeah. or I remember playing like Sonic Three on Carnival Night Level Two and dying when you had to do the the you had this like circles and uh, that you were had to just press up and down and like for the life of me I was like how the fuck do you get out of this and <laughs> so like I can understand I can appreciate games like a Bloodborne or Elden Ring. Like, the main mm-hmm. premise is to be hard. Mm-hmm. But also, in the same vein, developers have to be aware of accessibility and not just, oh, is there an easy level? Like, if somebody has some kind of disability, mm-hmm. they have to, they should take that into account. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nana, you got something? Yeah, um, bouncing off that, for for me, it was the fucking water temple in Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. For the life of me, little little old Nanite could not figure out that goddamn level. Um, <laughs> even after, like, three walkthroughs, I finally found that one lever. And I was just, like, angry that it took me that long. Um, but... Yeah, like, with the accessibility, you know, there are some games that do it very, very well. Like, the newest God of War does accessibility very well between mm-hmm. audio cues or making Atreus stop talking or making him talk more. Um, or even roguelike games that are meant to be hard, like Hades, having a God mode. It's like, you want to play the story, this makes it easier, and it will gradually get easier the more you lose on purpose and then build you back up. Um, But like with Elden Ring, not not to pick on Elden Ring, but it is like the most notable recent example of it, not having a pause menu or like a true pause menu. Like you literally have to go into the settings to pause the game, which is ridiculous. And it's like, oh, well, if you're in a safe area, it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> it is a pause function. Even Monster Hunter has a pause function if you are playing single player. Like it's it's right. basic things like that that I feel developers it's a choice. I wouldn't say it's a good one, but it's definitely a choice. <laughs> and and I think how just like having those accessible like this the simple thing of like a pause menu, just even giving you the chance to like take a breath. Because if you're playing a game that is super high stress, super whatever, you're like, I just need to like, I need to breathe for a second, but like I'm surrounded by things or I'm going to die. Or if I do that, I don't know if I'll die. 
Um, and I feel like, like, and this seems like so baseline, but like, if you gotta go use the bathroom, like, like I gotta go pee, but I can't put my controller down because in that minute that I'm gone, something could find me and I die. Um, I'm get a UTI. Fucking around with somebody's game. Elden Ring gave me a UTI. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I do think, and, and I mean, and, and there are many, there are other games that don't have pause functions or don't have some of those things as well. Um, but like, I do think some of that, and I think accessibility in terms of like, you know, I think just like accessibility of, of folks with disabilities is like, we could do an entire episode just on accessibility of games. But I do think there's a piece of that accessibility that like can really feed into like overall mental health and experience of playing a game. And like how well you're able to function in some of those spaces. Um, I remember when I started the, um, oh the 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 Star Wars game, um, Jedi Fallen Order, mm. like, and I was streaming it, so I was trying to be like hot shit. I was like, look at me go through this game. I'm doing so well. This is so great. And then like a couple bosses, like some boss, like whooped my ass like seven times in a row. I was like, well, let me just. Let me just pull that down to easy mode. Come back to that. Um, although I do find it passive aggressive when games suggest that to you. Like you die a couple times. <laughs> yeah, like don't suggest kind of that funny. to me. Like, <laughs> like Resident Evil 2 remake. I'm looking at you after I died six times at a boss. He was like, do you want to go to easy mode? And I literally refused. I was like, no, fuck you game. I'm going to do it. Um, and I did, but it took me longer. Uh, Brent, you were you want to say something? I was literally... Yeah, I was literally going to talk about, like, the passive-aggressive sometimes of, like, swapping down. Like, some games definitely do that. Also, there's, like, some games that, like, their easy mode is, like, they, like, make fun of you for it. Like, baby mode, I think, on, like, if anyone's played Wolfenstein before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, their easy mode is, like, baby mode, and it basically, like, tells you, like, you know, you're, like, a child, essentially, because you choose this mode. And it's, like, you know, sometimes I'm, like... In that moment, it'd be like, hi, yeah, I'm bad. But then, like, you think about it and, like, you know, people, like, it, video games aren't for, like, some video games, like, you know, you need a wide varying degree of, like, difficulty for all people, right? And so I don't think you should, you know, call out people because, you know, they need an easier mode, right? And so some of that passive aggressiveness is definitely there in that kind of community. Right. I know God of War before the revamp i think they did that and i saw that one time i was like bitch who are you talking to i could do this and then and now your ego is uh in it and like oh i gotta do this i gotta do this and then you like after you step back you're like why did i just put myself through this it's not for show it's not for money it's for like a damn trophy that i really can't even see because it's digital so Right, the the PlayStation being like, "Good job, you unlocked a trophy," which those always right. make me laugh because it's like, "Good job, you unlocked a trophy by just moving through this section of the game." Uh, <laughs> like you completed a level. This. Good job, and I'm like, I get it. I'm a millennial, and I want prizes for everything, but I need you to like chill. <laughs> I want my instant validation, but like, that's a bit <laughs> much. Like um, what are, for for I guess kind of just is there anything else, like as we kind of talk through things? Is there anything that folks wanted to like? throw out there or some things around i know i have a couple of questions that we still have like on the board but like other things that maybe i haven't thought about or things that you wanted to kind of touch on as it as it pertains to like just the overall conversation around like mental health and gaming um i mean to i guess kind of kickstart the discussion like pushing it back that direction i yeah. do like how video games are becoming more and more of an accepted way to tell stories, mm-hmm. um, especially with like Life is Strange, 
like telling very real stories that people can potentially relate to um or even the last of us people realizing oh wait this show is based on this game it's like yes we've been telling you for a very long time like these games tell amazing stories that really impact people Mm-hmm. And it's like because it's a video game, it's like, oh, you're playing video games. It's like, yes, and I'm sobbing over them. What is your point here? Exactly. I mean, the the stories that came from Bioshock, the whole series. Um, I remember uh my partner had played Infinite and once you go into Columbia, the uh there's a a religious song, uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken is playing. And he got so emotional. He was weeping. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he told me this was the song that his father, his grandfather was singing. And I was like, oh, it, it means something to you that it, it just washed over him. And uh, I remember uh, playing The Last of Us, like the very first time. And when... Uh, what was that little girl's name? Abby? It, what's the, his daughter's Ellie? name? Ellie? Oh, his, no, the daughter. The first, um, his actual daughter. Oh, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, when Sarah. She got killed. I just had to turn the game off because mm-hmm. I was like, I am not ready or emotionally uh, sustained to venture onto this journey called The Last of Us. And then when The Last of Us 2 was released, it was released during quarantine. Mm-hmm. So you had this whole... We had to deal with a uh, COVID and then play this game that just felt so emotionally draining. It was it was a lot to get through that game. Yeah, I've, I have... Last of Us, I've played the first one a bit. And like I would think it was with you, like when I first the first time I played through, and like that opening sequence, oh my god, that like gutted me. It's and, and like I kept going, like I kept going, but I was just like, oh, like you've set a you've set a tone. Um, and also when I then when I watched the TV show and I was sitting around watching it, I was like, oh god, I know how this goes. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's something that's something I didn't think about in terms of like thinking about how like stuff to talk about, but like the impact that some of these stories can have on you kind of positively and negatively mm-hmm. um, of just like making you feel certain ways. Are there other, other ones that folks have experienced in some of those ways? Yeah. I, I played Celeste at like mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic, not knowing anything about it, not knowing what this game was. I was like, Oh, a cute little pixel 2d platformer. I can get into it. And it was at a time where like, I was living alone in a studio apartment in a city where I like knew like two people and I had just moved to Boston and then everything shut down. So emotions were high and I started playing this game that is literally about mental health. And then, you know, not to spoil it, but like at some point you are the, the main character. Madeline is literally battling her own like inner I don't want to say saboteur, but like that's the first thing you can think of. All right, Miss RuPaul. Right, come on, Miss RuPaul. (laughs) But like that just evoked like so so much me. Sort of like what Nana was saying is I wasn't expecting, and I'd played Last of Us and it touched me a lot, but I wasn't expecting a game to just go there and really talk about mental health and 
literally there's a point where you're actually just fighting your own like self um villain side and it, it was just it moved me so much um in a way where at the time i was just like why am i why, why am i playing this right now i don't need this but looking back at it now it's just i don't know it was it was really good and really powerful uh, brett what about you yeah i think uh one game that I, like kind of sticks with me a little bit is actually a DLC for a game for Borderlands. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen like Tiny Tina's uh, like the D. I forget what it's called, um, but it's like the D and D DLC yeah. for that. Uh, and what really struck me is like kind of like going to storytelling, right? Like you have what happens in the game, and then like the DLC is like her processing the trauma of like what happened earlier in the game and so that was like pretty like interesting like not a direction i didn't think like they were definitely going to go because like this character is like kind of like wacky and weird right and then like as you're playing through this game it's like like this dlc that's supposed to be like light and fun hard you're just like oh like there's like actual real storytelling going on that about like real topics of like trauma and loss and like specifically as like a child and things like that yeah, I think those are the ones like I think those are the ones that get me because they the ones that like sneak up on you when you're not expecting yes. it. Yeah. Um. I back when I was streaming during the pandemic, I I streamed a game called Arcade Spirits, which is like a mm. visual novel game set in an alternate universe where like arcades really took off. Um. I think like in the 80s or so, and like kind of like it it kind of ventured into like that alternate reality where like esports is kind of esports like a rival like the NFL where it's like playing video games is like a big to do and like everything is thriving in that, in that regard. Um, but like there was a bit where like, and part of the game is kind of you navigating the story and also like getting to like become friends with all these characters and maybe romance somebody. And it's just very cute and fun and lighthearted. And then there's like a certain chapter where like something happens to one of the characters that I was not like expecting. And like, it just like it hit me right away like i was on stream and almost in full tears i was like oh god because <laughs> i just i wasn't ready for it and like it was and i think what was nice is it was done so well that by the time i got there i only had that reaction because i was so invested in the cast of characters um that that when that hit i was like oh okay like and your character's processing it and you're processing it and like this isn't how I thought it was going to go. I thought this was a fun, light game. I think I had one of the writers was like in my stream and like it happened. They're like, sorry. And I was like, how <laughs> dare you? Um, and same thing with a, a game called um, I was a teenage exocolonist. Um, also a little indie game. It's, it's really cute. Like, and I, so it again, like it lulled me into this like false sense of like, yeah. everything's fine. And like you play through like a year at a time. It takes you through like the seasons and it got to like the end of the first year and this like traumatic thing happened. And I was like, Oh my God. And then again, I think the, someone from the game was in my Twitch, Twitch stream and they're like, Oh yeah, that that's welcome to the game. And I was like, I hate you get out of my stream. <laughs> but I do think there's something like a last of us. I know what to expect. I know what I'm getting, but these like cute, these little cutesy indie games that like hit you in the fields. It just like catches you off guard so much. But like, I do appreciate that. Like I got to have, those emotions. Um, all right, I'm going to kick it over to Nanite and then, and then over to Nick. Yeah. Um, so on like on the topic of those indie games that kind of sneak up on you, there was one for me called dreamscaper 
I got it because it was like a dungeon crawler roguelike. I was like, oh, this seems really cute. The art style is really nice. The music is phenomenal. I was like, everything I'm looking for in a game, right? Um, so the premise of it is like, you're a girl who moved to a new city. She like needed some change. And during the waking hours, you like talk to people, form bonds with them, give them gifts, yada, yada. And at night, um, you go through her dreams and you're going through a dungeon. Um, And as you like collect little bits of the memory, you kind of piece together what happened. And, you know, the first boss is named Fear. And it's a giant whale that like jumps up out of the water, tries to swallow you whole, things like that. And then the next one's named like isolation and then regret, resentment, negativity, and finally loss. And by that point, you've gotten far enough in the game uh, that you realize, spoiler alert, um, she moved to a new, a new city because her sister died. Um, and when you like finally piece that together, because like she starts lashing out at her friends and they're like, what is wrong with you? You need to talk to us. And it just like, hits you uh i remember playing it on stream and i ended up like losing to the final boss and i just like had to take a moment because i was like trying not to cry i was like oh god damn it (laughs) here we go (laughs) um and it's just like one of those games that like you kind of know what's going on but it still just hits you like a truck yeah nick what did you have um Way back in the day, uh, The Legend of Dragoon had came out, and I was new to RPGs, especially JRPGs. So there was a scene where there's, I guess, a, uh, a one of the characters goes like a, um, a flashback, and all of her friends like like die in crazy, brutal places, and she's the only one that survives and watching that that scene as a kid like really fucked me up because i hadn't gotten through final fantasy 7 yet and to see all of these characters die in this grisly and gruesome kind of way like i was like did that really I, I don't know how to explain it but it just really affected me negatively cuz you really didn't see characters in video games as far as a lot of them dying all at once like that back in the day right yeah and if you're if you're not like in the space and you're prepared for that and like and then it's on your screen like that it can it can impact you in ways like either you weren't ready for it or like you said like if you were young and like that sticks with you um i know i had some folks on talking about horror movies and we all talked about like the first movies we watched that like traumatized all of us as children and like, cause you're like, I just didn't know what I was walking into. And suddenly there's like Michael Myers on the screen, butchering somebody. You're like, Oh, I'm seven. Like, that's a lot. Um, but I think it's even more, it's even worse when it's like, you're playing a game that's bringing you comfort. And then suddenly it's like brutal. Um, and it kind of takes you out of that moment almost. Um, so I do, I want us, I know we, we, we kind of talk about like things that have like, I think affected us and affected kind of like our gaming experience. Um, and we've kind of touched on a little bit, I think, here and there. But my other kind of question around playing games is what games have you seen or have you played that you feel like have really highlighted 
kind of issues around mental health or struggles around mental health um, as like a central conceit almost of the game. I know like Chris talked about Celeste, um, which, you know, that has, I think, layers of mental health. It also has some like trans metaphor to it. Um, like that's a, like a really solid example. And I'm curious if there's other other games that folks have experienced that you kind of caught some of those. I would say maybe Going Home. Is that the game? Um, mm, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, because I played it a few times. And I think the... Because you don't have a... The main character is nameless and you don't see them. Hmm. But you're going through the house. And if I remember correctly, the person that you're finding these letters from uh, is queer in some sense i think she's either queer or lesbian and she that kind of i had never um played a game that dealt with sexuality like that and you know especially if you're not you don't know your sexuality that can affect your mental health Mm -hmm. so um I would say that one, but damn, I, I don't know if I'm just into just action explosions and my Michael Bay going on, but it's hard <laughs> to figure yeah. out. And there's, nothing, and there's nothing like it. If folks haven't played stuff that like has really hit you that way, I think I, I'll give you, I'll give you all one example of one that I did. So um, I played, and this is going to sound so weird, but the I played the Blair Witch video game, hmm. um, which surprisingly... I thought it did really a really interesting job of tackling like PTSD, anxiety and like panic attacks. So like your your character is like ex-military and like you're traveling through the woods and like as things are unfolding, he's like re-experiencing stuff from like the war. Like he and he has like he literally has an ESA, like he has a dog with him that is his like emotional support animal that's like with you through the game. And like there's different points like there's one point where he has like a literal panic attack in the game and like it I th- and I mean, I'm not, to, I guess I can't say if it did it well or not to, as someone who's never experienced a panic attack. It felt like it, it did that moment kind of in a way that I was able to kind of understand a little bit. Um, but it was one, like, again, and I think this is a common theme I'm saying is like, I wasn't expecting it when we started, when I started playing it. Cause I was like, Blair Witch, it'll be scary and spooky. And it was like, actually, let us talk to you about PTSD and your mental health. So I kind of had a few that I know of like off the top of my head. Um, the one I played as a child, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Sky ripped my heart out as a kid. I was forever changed by that game. Um, the betrayal that Dusknor does on you, absurd. Um, but it was also like the first, I think my first introduction to like loss in a video game because it at the end of it essentially like your character dies like he vanishes from existence never to be seen again um and then he comes back of course because you're the main character but i didn't know that as a kid until the credits after the credits rolled (laughs) and i was crying um and then a more recent one was transistor um, I don't know if anyone has played that game. Um, it's super giant. The same people that made Hades. It was their second game. Um, 
you play a mute protagonist um, and her like lover is trapped in the sword that she has. Um, and at the end, she essentially like uploads herself to said sword because it's like a cyberpunk-esque game, uh, leaving her physical body behind. Um, so it's like kind of touching more on loss. Of course, Dreamscaper is literally an entire just like metaphor for loss between the bosses and the entire like storyline. Um, and then a game that kind of surprised me recently was Returnal um, on the PlayStation, which is, it definitely suffers from the, you have to read all of the lore to actually get any of it. Um, but one of the running theories is that the main character is trapped in the time loop because she's essentially not forgiving herself, um, for like her past regrets and mistakes and until she does, she can never actually move on and escape that world. So. Hey, any other other folks that have any other like games you can think of that like hits on on mental health in in certain ways? And I know, like I know, like we're seeing indie games. I think like I saw one at PAX East that was about like a grandfather suffering from dementia and like this like him going back to like old memories as a kid and like the further you get in the game like memories start becoming fuzzy and like you lose bits of things um i wish i could remember the name of it but i will hopefully look it up and then put it in the show notes that way i can highlight it but i think it was still in development but like i do think the indie realm is really diet like dives into a lot of those um I even think I even think of a little bit of um, the game Raji, which is a platformer um, with like Hindi mythology and, um, but it's like about this girl trying to like rescue her little brother, um, and kind of the, I mean it's it's not directly mental health ish, but like I'm thinking about like the story of like her trying to persevere, trying to get through overcome these giant monsters and whatnot to like save her little brother and like kind of the heartbreak that goes along with some of that. Um, but yeah, I know we're getting more of it and we're getting there. It's just kind of a, I think we're starting to see more of that cusp of things. And, um, and perhaps when we post this up, it will, you know, people will respond to threads and tell us more games that do a good job of this. But I know we talked about Celeste. I think someone mentioned life is strange hits on some stuff. Um, like I said, weirdly the Blair Witch Project does too. Um, and I would say like that game suffers from like the third act being a little wonky. And I got to the point where I was just like, I just need to finish it because I need to finish it. Um, but stuff in the middle was all really solid in terms of like, I think hitting on a lot of that. Um, awesome. I will say, so anyone have anything else that we want to kind of like touch on for a minute before we kind of wrap, wrap things up? I think um, a lot of the emotional scenes throughout video games can have a effect on your mental health. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about um, on Final Fantasy X at the end where you have you literally take this whole journey and then at the end you have to kill all of the Aeons. That was 
traumatic in a sense. Um, I think about uh, everyone's going to Rapture. I still don't know what that game was about, uh, but something happened. And trying to figure out the pieces... And I still, like I said, I don't know what happened to these people, but them, I don't know. It it was an odd game, but it was a good game, you know, if, if yeah. you played it any. And the soundtrack is lovely. Yeah, but I will say, like, I think, you know, those games, again, those games, like, can kind of hit you, like, and I, I don't know, this is going to make people laugh at me a little bit, but it's fine. So one that got me, like, weirdly, like, I got a little the clump about was playing um, Dragon Age Inquisition, and it was, like, after one of the big battles, and, like, everything is, like, shit and falling apart around them, and then, like, I forget which character it is, but she, like, just walks out and starts singing, and then, like, it turns into, like, this entire giant, like, everybody along, like, the battlements is, like, singing this, like, kind of hymn song. And I don't know why, but the first time I watched it, I just sat there and I was like, why is this so lovely? <laughs> like, everything is terrible. They're just singing this really lovely song and all in very much good. They're in tune. They got some nice harmony. <laughs> but I do think of those, those, like, those small moments and even in games that are, like, these big things. I think about Mass Effect 3, where you meet, like the one gay character in almost like the one male gay character in like the whole trilogy canonically from start to finish. Um, Caden doesn't count cause he wasn't gay in the first one, but like you find that you meet this guy like at a memorial where he's like mourning the loss of his, like his husband and like having to talk to him about like what, what happened. And like, it's weird that you like can quickly romance him and take him to bed. But like, I think <laughs> it's a, it's, I, it, it's a thing. It, it happens. But like, but like that moment, I think of being able to ha- like hear somebody and talk to that grief, and they did it in like a a real way. Um, that I think that was something that I wasn't I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting a gay character to begin with at that point in gaming. So I got excited when I realized that there was one. When he's like my husband, I was like, oh god! And he's like, he's dead. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well. Um, I think one part that I that maybe we didn't touch on too much is sort of the power of co-op games a little bit and how good they are for mental health. Maybe, like, I don't know, DBD, if you consider it a co-op, I don't, I don't think so. But um, like, I guess Animal Crossing at the beginning of the pandemic was just something that I, I don't know what I would have done without Animal Crossing, being able to play with, with people and like a lot of other couch co-ops too, like it takes two and there's a lot of resurgence of, co-op nowadays that i'm really happy to see and i think it helps a lot with with mental health jackbox is also yeah a really really good good thing that one you can just put on at any point anyone can play on their phones um so i think yeah for someone who doesn't play multiplayer games co-op is my only like way to play with other people while still enjoying the game and i suffered from i was the the place that I was working, I was living, I was a res lifer. So I was living on at the time and our campus network didn't allow me to connect with other people's switches. So I couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> so everyone's like, come to my Island. And I was like, I can't because there's a weird <laughs> firewall that no one will fix, <laughs> which was such a bummer. But like, yeah. And, and I think animal crossing was one. I think that like, and we didn't really touch on it, but I think that game just hit like at a, 
it was unfortunate that it hit at the right moment in that like the world was falling apart. We were stuck inside. Mm -hmm. But like I know for a lot of people that game like I was furloughed for six, six or eight weeks during that summer. And like just having the routine of like because we were quarantined. I was furloughed. It's like you get up in the morning. I checked on my island. I made my coffee like it. That game gave me daily structure and routine at a time where like I didn't have it otherwise. And I I think about that game a lot. Like I don't play it much anymore because I don't have the capacity for the daily check ins of it. But like I think that that game did a lot for people in ways that I don't think anyone's. I, we're going to be years out and we're still going to be thinking about how that game impacted so many people in that very specific moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Brent, what do you got? Uh, it's not necessarily a video game, but more just like the idea that gaming like produces community and that can affect like mental health in like positive ways as well of like making connections. I know that like it during like the start of the pandemic, like I was pretty isolated and so like that's how i got into esports is like i joined the uh league of legends club at my college campus and um like built a community like a huge community got built around like this game due to the pandemic and so uh it like really helped um like one myself but like everyone else to like form community when you know not exactly allowed to make connections like in person at the time so yeah yeah that's just something that i thought of as well oh yeah i think i mean there's definitely a ton of like people for like my my this discord that i run at this point like was formed during covid and like brought people in and like i think having those spaces to play and at the time like it was just whatever games you could play together like you know among us among us phasmo <laughs> dead by daylight like you name it you know, multiplayer like let's let's fucking go because like we're not going anywhere else. Um, but I do think being able to create some of that community out of it um, has been really exciting to see. Um, and I'm grateful that people were able to form that during a time where like you, again, you couldn't go and do things with people. All right. So I think, I think we're at a good, like this is a good wrap up moment. So what I think I'll do is kick it over to you all. And um ask if so if you would like to be found on the internet where can people find you so plug your socials or things you've got coming up if you're on a podcast whatever it is um and we'll i'm just gonna go we'll do alphabetical again because that's gonna be easiest to do so i'll kick it over to brent yeah um if you want to see a lot of retweets on uh on esports as well as literally anything else gay and queer um you can find me on Twitter at pointer with a Y. So P O Y N T E R Brent. And yeah, you can find me there. Um, yeah. And you can also find me also on Twitter at Chris Chidrawi, also on Instagram on discord. Discord is a little hard to just like plug in. He's my discord, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mostly tweet about video games, Gilmore girls and Arab queer stories. Um, you can find me Nanite over on Twitter at Nanite Tech or Twitch uh, Nanite Technology. And if you want to follow me, where I talk about if Shao Kahn has a big dick or Drag Race or mental health or I anything, hog. I know he's. 
But that's neither here nor there. Um, you can follow me on t- uh, Twitter at What Porters Say. I also co-host a podcast that talks about gay and geek uh, things from a queer black perspective called Megasheen. You can follow us on Megash- uh, on Twitter at Megasheen One, and we are all over uh, podcast platforms: Apple, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. Awesome. And just for folks listening, I'll, all of these things will be in show notes. So feel free to, on whatever device you're listening to this, scroll down a little bit and you'll be able to see all of people's socials so you can find them. Um, once again, my name is Eric. You can find this podcast social medias at the queer XP on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, you can find me at E Crumrine, E C R U M R I N E. Um, and once again, I just thank you so much, all of you for coming in, chatting with me, talking about all of this. I, I super appreciate it. Our next episode, I'm super pumped about because we have one of our very own community members, uh, Mr. Ray, who wrote a game called Dethrone the Divine, which the tagline is gods are dicks, kill the gods. And I'm super pumped to run his game for him <laughs> as he's going to be one of our players. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. Mr. Ray is a delight, um, and he—I know he's excited to, to have his his game on our, one of our actual plays. So be sure to to give us a listen next week for that, and then we'll be inching slowly into a really really fun lineup of Pride uh, episodes, which I will talk about in further episodes down the line. But just know that I have an entire very fucking gay lineup of things for this podcast, and I could not be more excited. Um, So once again, thank you to all my guests. Thank you, everybody who's listening. And we will see you next time.